Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're breaking down the edge rush group for the 2022 NFL Draft. We're going to give you our top five players going from five to one from this group, but also talk about some players that just missed the cut because, man, there are a lot of names to get to, a lot of different style pass rushers, players that I might like, players that Connor might like. There's a ton of guys to get to that we know we're going to litter the first round, the top 50, the top 100, and just overall the entire 2022 NFL Draft. I am Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is my co-host, Connor Rogers. Let's get after it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. So glad that you guys are here with us. We have an exciting episode here for you. Connor and I are giving you guys our top five edge rush players. Well, I guess it's more than just the top five, Connor, because we're going to give you our top five going from five to one in the 2022 NFL draft class. But also we're going to give a shout out to this edge class as a whole. We're going to be talking about guys that just missed the top five, some mid round gems, some late round guys, some skill sets that we really enjoy from this edge rushing class. I'm excited, man. This is another positional breakdown for us. And it's a big time position that we know is going to rule the 2022 NFL draft when it's all said and done. Yeah, this is a good group. There's no way around it. This group has some star talent at the top. Obviously, everybody knows about Hutch and KT at this point. And then it has some guys that have star potential in the middle, whether it's, you know, Carl Loftus and Ajabo. And then a lot of everything sprinkled in between with some day two guys that truly could be eight to ten sack players in the right fit. So I've been excited for this show and, you know, full clarity this is probably one of the only Thursday shows that you and I see eye to eye on many things with this group, or it's a maybe I don't want to say cut and dried group, but there's definitely uh, tiers that are pretty clear cut. But where it gets very interesting is when you and I will get into who just missed the cut, yes. guys outside the top fifty that you know could be stars and. Edge is notoriously a group that the hit rate outside of round one is very poor when you look into the numbers. So this is a fun class because I think it's a rare year where there are multiple day two picks uh, that should be productive pass rushers. People are going to notice as we go on five through one, and I'm glad that you brought it up there. We have a lot of the same names in our top fives, but what I'm excited to get to, because I didn't ask you this before we started this, this podcast episode, where your tiers are, how you break this yeah. up, which guys you would put in certain buckets in this class. And then also we really start to differ. I, I did see the sheet and the rundown sheet that we have here for this podcast episode. A couple of names that you're going to bring up later in the podcast are not the same names that I'm going to bring up. So like the guys that just missed the cut, some shout outs that we want to give to uh, for some of these guys, they're all different names there. So I promise we're not just going to go full group think on this podcast, even though some of the names are going to be familiar uh, at the beginning of it. You want to kick us off? You want to start with number five in your edge rush rankings? Yeah, man, let's get right into this. Number five for me is David Ajabo. I would say the biggest overall riser in this position group this year, and that is still counting Jermaine Johnson because David Ajabo uh, had really done almost nothing at all uh, up until this season to the point where when he started to break out this year, I think a lot of people within the Michigan program were holding out hope that he would return to school go back, build up his stock into a top five pick because his game is far from complete, be a yet another superstar Michigan pass rusher. And they've had some really good ones over recent time, whether it's Rashawn Gary, whether it's Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson, who was at the Heisman ceremony this year. 
Um, but Ajabo opted to declare for the NFL, which probably tells you he got a really good grade from the advisory board. I think he's round one uh, destined, despite yes. the fact that this is a Michigan team that you could tell when watching their film, they were afraid to have him on the field in very run-heavy situations. His, he needs to put on more strength and, and mass in his lower half of his body. I've gotten to talk to some people that have gotten to scout a Jabo uh, in person, and they'll say it's the first thing you see. And I think that is something that will come with him over time on an NFL weight training program, the right coaching. And the reason he is in this discussion to be drafted so high, Trevor, is that he just has great pass rush traits as a speed rusher, right? And, yeah. and it's really all stand-up right now. He's not going to put his hand in the dirt at this moment. He's going to stand up. He's going to try to beat you really with a ghost move, right, where you can't even get hands on him. He'll throw a spin move in there. Uh, he has shown, you know, the ability consistently to try to win that outside corner and swipe at the ball when the quarterback is sitting in the pocket. So for a Jabo, if you're a team that feels like you have the brawn, the power, and the strength, and you're looking for somebody that can – take the tackle wide, really run that arc, maybe even turn into the corner a little bit while he develops the rest of his game, he's going to be the guy for you. I think it's a little rich to take him, you know, in that top eight conversation, mm -hmm. but maybe in the second half of the first round. I love the Bills as a fit, personally. Uh, Ajabo has a lot of exciting ceiling potential in his game. Yeah, no sacks going into this season. 11 not a lot of snaps coming after <laughs> this season right and there just weren't a lot of snaps and when you look at that and, and kind of I, I like the way that you kind of brought up his scouting profile there and what you emphasized was this is a guy who has all the tools in the world if you will he's just very raw and that makes a lot of sense when you learn more about his background he's born in nigeria moved to scotland lived in scotland when he was growing up and he didn't actually start playing football until he was a sophomore junior in high school when his family moved over to the united states and so this guy just doesn't have a lot of snaps period like not just like a defensive yep. end or not just as a starter or like at a big level like period he just hasn't played football that long and so when you when you take that into account how he's he's just a junior at Michigan really started playing football two three years in high school I mean he, this guy's barely got five six years of football under his belt and if what we saw this past year is going to be an indication of what his ceiling could be I think that's why you see a lot of people put him in the top 15 of first rounds just because the NFL is probably going to take a good chance on him because this draft class as a whole it's just it's not as good as last year's class. I'm just going to be honest with you. And and even at the very top, you know, you look at guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, we're going to talk about those guys in a little bit, but like even those guys, maybe not weren't guaranteed top 10 picks. If you put them in last year's draft, well, David, David Ojabo is kind of one of those next guys that you would have after that first tier group. And I agree with you that it's the snap to snap. I'll say disciplinary things with Ojabo that are holding him back right now. You mentioned the run fits, just the early down work, right? Not getting exposed, not getting blown off the ball, putting more weight in his lower half, being able to anchor, being able to control the point of the attack in the line of scrimmage. That's how you get on the field as a full-time first round worthy edge player is if you can be a three down guy. And right now, like if you plop Ojabo into the NFL right now, he'll give you the pass rush upside on third and long situations, which is the money maker anyways. That's why you take a chance on him, but it would be that early down work where you're kind of like, all right, well, sh can we put this guy on the field right away? And if you can't, is that a first round pick? Well, 
that depends what draft class he's in. So you get to have all these conversations with David Ojabo. But, you know, as the year went on, he talked about how he watched a lot of pass rushers from Michigan while he was kind of growing up there as a freshman and a sophomore. Watch Josh Uche, watch Quiddy Pay, watch these guys who are older than him, more refined pass rushers, and uh, tried to take little things from them. And as we saw this past year as a junior, was able to put it all to work and, and have a lot of really good success with it going into the season or maybe not just going into the season. I guess I'll say even right now, there's a lot of people who cite lack of production and high traits. And when you think of that, you think of a guy like Odafe Owe who came from the NFL draft yeah. last year, who it's like, okay, this guy's got all the tools you could want. He's strong. He's fast. He's got powerful hands. He's got some good pass rush moves. He's creating pressure, but there's not a ton of production to his whole career. Now, Jabo had a better single year than Odafe Owe ever had at Penn state. So that kind of goes in the mix. It's not a one-on-one -on -one comparison. I get, I, I get the reservations on Ojabo. Ojabo isn't five for me, um, and I guess I just kind of spilled out my explanation of what I think of Ojabo. He's actually number four for me, so I guess I'll just say that. He's right there. I think we see him kind of similarly. But number five, I have Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher from Florida State. Now, I've said this on this very podcast. I thought Jermaine Johnson was kind of like a fringe first round player would have been more comfortable with him in the second round. And then the senior bowl came around and just, he absolutely put on a show and you go back and you watch the tape and you see the things that he did well at the senior bowl, which was be able to attack the outside shoulder, be able to be used as a pass rusher, dominate one-on-one -on -one situations. And you go back to the tape and you go, okay, there, maybe there's not as much of that as you would have liked to see, but in the instances where he has the chance to really pin his ear back, he does show that he has that capability. So if you put that role in front of him more in the NFL, it makes me think that he's just going to continue to have more and more success. So those are two guys that as we, we talk about tiers and, and buckets of this edge rush class, I see them very similarly, right? When you look at David Ojabo, this guy is six foot five, 250 pounds, kind of the same thing with Jermaine Johnson, sim similar build, six foot five, 255 pounds. These are similar guys who I, I don't want to say, have the exact kind of same skill set because I have a lot more faith in Jermaine Johnson to be a thumper, to be a early down edge rusher than I do David Ojabo. But when we're talking like tiers, I'm kind of putting these guys in the same bucket. It's basically like, what do you want or what do you need more of an edge rusher? These are guys that I think are going to be first round picks when it's all said and done. But uh, that's who I have five and four. I didn't really know how to have that conversation without just kind of like talking about both of them there. So Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, I have him at number five. And uh, David Ojabo, the edge rusher from Michigan, I have him at number four. Yeah, and, I, and then that's it for me. Jermaine Johnson's number four. So we just had them flipped at four and five and have very similar thoughts on them. And, you know, when you look at it, when you look at Jermaine Johnson, it comes down to that he has had more times, more snaps uh, to develop overall. You know, Jabo is someone who will turn 22 in May. And I know Jermaine Johnson, I believe, is at least 22 right now. You know, Juco product to Georgia to Florida State. Um, so they are very different players in that sense. I think Jermaine Johnson has a little bit more of his mass in his lower half, and I think mm -hmm. that's why you see him totally. hold, the, hold the point of attack and play with more power. He definitely has a better idea how to use his hands while Ajabo is still figuring it out, but there's flash potential there where Ajabo can do things that most edge rush prospects, they lack that kind of speed and explosiveness. So that's the... You know, it's like when you're looking, you know, you're looking around for like a great thing and you're like, okay, Ajabo could be that great thing. He's just not there yet. But everything tells me 
that it's all there just needs to be unpacked unboxed and, and put together and I think that there's a lot of risk in that. I'll be very fair here. I think for as excited as I am about David Ajapo, there are guys like this that more often than not do not figure it out because it's really hard to beat NFL tackles. You know, there's somebody like, it, one that I missed on, and this is going way, way back, but look at Daniil Hunter. I think he had four and a half sacks in 26 games his last two years of college. And mm-hmm. that is like laughable production for somebody that turned into one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He was someone that... It was all there. The length was exceptional, the, you know, the body type, the explosiveness, and he was able to put it all together uh, at the next level after not being a first-round pick, after being a day-two pick, but there's just not many Daniil Hunters. So Ajabo, I like that you gave the background because that gives you hope that he figures it out. And when you look at Jermaine Johnson, it's been a little bit of the opposite. He's had that long road where yeah. he did figure it out in college. He goes down to the senior bowl. He's unblockable. Um, like I said, he plays with more power. He can win the corner. He can counter inside. So I think if you're looking to put somebody on the field for a good amount of this rookie season and get instant production, a little bit know more what you're getting, that'll be Jermaine Johnson. If you're yes. looking for you know a three-year window and trying to get an elite pass rusher, somebody will go up there taking the home run swing uh, for a jabo. Yeah. No, I think that that's, that's definitely fair. And it, it's going to be really interesting to see what the NFL does with this edge rush class, because yeah. there are a couple of other guys like David Ojabo is one example. I think Trayvon Walker from Georgia is another example. Um, Drake Jackson, I would say, oh, is yeah. another. and these are, these are guys that I, we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, but like, these are players that have really high ceilings that either you haven't seen yet or are more projections than normally you might be comfortable with the first round picks. And those guys still might end up going really high just because of the overall class of 2022. Like some NFL teams might look at this overall class and say, Hey, this isn't my favorite class. This isn't the best class. It's not super deep and talented at the very top. Let's just take a chance on guys who are going to hit the home run. And I'm just very curious to see how, how teams evaluate this class. And I think who, goes first or how far the gap is between where David Ojabo gets drafted and where Jermaine Johnson gets drafted is kind of going to tell you a lot. And it's, it might kind of tell you how the rest of the draft is going to flow because these are two guys that, uh, like you said, kind of have, have those backgrounds. Is there a, is there a player comp for any of these guys? Not to like put you on the spot. Cause I no, have it's... one, I have one for one of them. So if you ever have a player comp, like, like just feel free to throw them out. Do I you have a player I comp do for each? No, for these guys, I don't have comps yet. I, I will say uh, for, for edge rushers very much. So because the way they change their body so much for the NFL, I lean on the combine heavily uh, to come sense. up with player right. comps, but yeah, yeah but um I mean, I'm curious to hear what you got here. So I'm excited. I, I so love a good this is comp. this is this is one that I thought of right when I was initially watching Jermaine Johnson. So my thoughts a little bit different than when I wrote this one down. But I wrote for Jermaine Johnson the Jacksonville Jaguars version of Jeremy Mincy. So Jeremy Mincy was like six foot four, 255, 260 pounds. He was this like bigger edge rusher, but you watch some of the best of Jeremy Mincy when he was in Jacksonville, he was this bigger, stronger five tech, four, three defensive end, kind of a guy who would sometimes out of nowhere, just give you this burst and give you these pass rush reps that were kind of crazy. And I, and I went back and I looked at his mock draftable profile and 
I think Jermaine Johnson's going to test a little bit better than Jeremy Mincy was, but um, I'm not like fully sticking on that comp. I just wanted to throw that out there. I know people love when you give kind of like comparisons to these guys. And so that one was one that, that came to me when I was thinking of Jermaine Johnson and it's a little bit different since the senior bowl, but I wanted to throw that one out there. Cause I know, I know the good people love, uh, love anytime you can give a comparison. I love me a throwback comp. Like I live for the throwback comp to the point where like if if i'm like just you know fiending for one i'll go down a youtube rabbit hole of like play nfl players from 20 years ago and be like <laughs> I, I need i need one right now so i love to see that um and yeah it's jabo is going to be a fascinating the comps for him are going to be fascinating yeah i didn't have a good one for him neither and it, it kind of goes down to like how much will he change his body for the combine what are you you know I, I find it interesting with pass rush player comps because and this could go for any position but especially pass rushers you can do the route of like what am i projecting him as in his fullest form or what am I seeing now going into the NFL? Because pass rushers change so drastically. Like there just aren't a lot of guys that are like the Bosa's or Miles Garrett or Chase Young that when they come into the NFL, it's like, yeah, that's probably what they're going to be. And that's enough to be an all pro player. You know, a lot of times guys really do change their game. They work with better coaches on how to use their hands. They throw in some extra moves. Um, so I, I think it's a job is going to be one of the hardest players to comp in this class because some people will project him as a comp and some people will say, what is he now? And those are two very different things. Yep. Yep. The combine, it, it's funny because we're doing, we're doing edge rush this week and, um, little sneak preview we're doing interior defensive line a week from now next thursday and uh we're doing these two positions right before the combine i don't know if that was good planning by us because edge rusher and defense and interior defensive line are probably the ones that change the most after the combine so i guess you guys will get to hear a lot of stock up stock down segments here from these two groups but um yeah, we're putting our thoughts out there before the combine. So we're either going to look like geniuses or maybe people are going to call us out a little bit for it. Uh, give us your number three. Who is your number three edge rusher in this class as it stands today pre-combine? I'll I'll say, I'll lead with this. This might be the player, at least defensively, that I am the most torn on in the entire draft. And, and I have okay. I have gone, like there was, there's times where I'm like, I don't know if I would take him in the first round. There are times where I'm like, Man, the Jets at four, if Hutchinson and KT are gone, I might have to think about <laughs> that's, this. That right? is very different. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. And and this isn't like a now what all said and done, this is this is like more my September thinking, October thinking. Now I've come to a nice, concise decision that if like all else, he falls usually somewhere in the middle of your two spectrums of thought, mm-hmm. uh, the highest and the lowest forms. So for George Karloftis, number three uh. here for me. I just, I almost didn't even get to the player. That's how, like, you know, there's a lot going on in this brain about this player. Karloftis is another guy that has an interesting background coming from Greece. You know, he hasn't been playing football since he was four years old or anything like that. There is a, there is definitely a transformation that's gone on with him. And he was pretty good at Purdue since the second he's got there and he's only gotten a lot better. Uh, but he's somebody that you can see over time maybe even getting much much better i think you know in the the ajabo sense there's a lot of untapped there now what i'll say with carl loftus that has me kind of intrigued is i am fascinated by his testing numbers because while i do think the the meat and potatoes of his game is power hand usage uh really power and hand usage those are the two things to me i think he has a really nice first step i think that short area straight line explosiveness is there 
I am wondering what the Twitch flexibility and lateral short area looks like. There's times on film where I'm like, man, the change of direction could be better, right? And is this something that he can work on? He can get more flexible. He can change his body. Often that's not the case. So with Karloftis, I think I like the floor because he knows how to use his hands. He's a very strong player. He's a relentless player. And he is three down ready, which makes you feel good. I think he could play with his hand in the dirt. I think he could stand up. But is he going to be a decent run defender and an eight-sack guy, Trevor? Or is he going to be a 14-sack pass-rushing demon? And that's where I don't have that answer right now. He, uh, These other four guys, I feel pretty good about what they're going to be. With Carl Loftus, I, I am conflicted of, is there superstar potential or is he just going to be a really good player? I mean... His tape's so fun, man. I, and and I, 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 do, right. I, I do know exactly what you're talking about because when you watch Karloftis on tape, I mean, he's getting the Aiden Hutchinson treatment at some sure. point. It's like Why they're, not? they're, they're double team. teaming this dude. They're triple teaming this dude. I mean, like he is, you know, I, I love the motor. He's so relentless, six foot four, 270 pounds. He brings so much strength. He knows what he's doing. Something I really love with George Karloftis, who is also my number three. I'll say that. That's why we're talking about him so much here. He is also my number three edge rusher in this class right now. He understands things so well. He understands the hand placement. He understands the leverage. He understands when to when to bull rush, when to get into a guy's chest, when to attack the outside shoulder. He knows how to club rip. He's got a mean push-pull, man. If you aren't bringing everything that you got into him when he goes into your chest, he's going to knock you so far back, you're going to be in the quarterback's lap, and your ass is going to be sacking your own quarterback if you don't bring if you don't bring absolutely everything that you have. That's how strong this dude is. He's strong as an ox. He understands pass rushing really well. I think the biggest thing that's holding him back are those physical traits. I think he's limited from a flexibility standpoint and I then agree from, with an, that. from an arm length standpoint. Both of those things, I think, are really what stand in the way from him being absolutely elite. Because if his arms were a little bit longer, man, I think he'd be able to long arm the crap out of you. And, and it, Karloftis with longer arms would almost be a cheat code. So maybe God was like, all right, we got to take it easy. Hold on here. So we got to make it, we got to make it so these other football players survive a little bit because he just, he gets it. I think, I think he's he's such a smart edge rusher. He's such a relentless edge rusher. This player is going to be a damn good pro for years and years and years. And the comp that I had for Karloftis, and I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm putting myself at, at risk of getting absolutely roasted here. I have him as a more well-rounded even Trey Hendrickson. And Trey Hendrickson, we like obviously saw him go to the Saints and then um, gets paid by the Bengals. I think he had a really nice season this past year. And when you look at Trey Hendrickson, you look at his mock draftable. And th that's kind of I – I thought of this comparison. And I was like, okay, let me go back and let me see the measurables. Let me see the testing. Let me see if this one fits. And it actually does. Trey Hendrickson at the Combine when he was coming through – Six foot four, 266 pounds. So Karloftis, about six foot four, 270, probably 265 is what he's going to show up at at the combine. Okay. The arm length, it fits. 32 inch arms for Trey Hendrickson. That's in the fifth percentile. That was a big worry of Trey Hendrickson. So that arm length is something that he has obviously overcome in the NFL to play really well. That gives you hope that uh, Karloftis can be the same. Uh, four, six, five, 40 yard dash. I'm, I, I, I have no idea what Karloftis is going to run, but that was in the 87th percentile. I could see right around there. 
four, 100, six. 100, 122 inch broad jump, 85th percentile, um, seven, seven, zero, three, three cone, the short shuttle and the 60 yard shuttle times were in, above the 90th percentile for Trey Anderson. So I, I really do feel like there is a path to where he could have a similar combine from what Trey Hendrickson did. And even if he doesn't have the exact kind of combine profile, I, I feel like they win similarly because these are dudes who with motor, with ability, with pass rush plan, they overcome the lack of length that you often need to play the edge spot. So I, I really do like Karloftis a lot. I'm not worried about him at all whatsoever being worth a first round pick. Um, and, yeah, and especially I, I would tell you a top 20, top 15 pick in this class. I would tell you, I don't know if he's going to go top 10. Who knows? I don't know if the NFL is going to be like, hey, give me David Ojabo and his pass rush upside over a guy like Karloftis. That is to be seen. But in this class here, I'm very comfortable thinking that you're going to get a multi-year pro that is just going to be a steady Eddie for you as a 4-3 defensive end uh, for a really, really long time. You can kick him inside on some long-distance third downs because he has that strength profile. He has that higher weight to him. So I think he's a versatile defensive lineman. He's going to be a great 4-3 defensive end. He brings so much to the table. And even without that arm length that makes him, say, a guaranteed top 10 pick, is going to be a damn good pro. Um, with everything you said there, I think he's somebody that, while as conflicted as you can be on, how good is he going to be? At the end of the day, it feels good to watch a player and come to the conclusion, I think he's going to be good. I don't think he's there's any bust chance there. And with Carl right. Loftus, I, yeah. don't, I don't see a lot of bust potential. Like, with the, like to be fully clear, like a Jabo has bust potential because he's such a incomplete player right now, but he has so much promise. And I think with Carl Loftus, you'd look at him and go, man... He doesn't have the special speed and flexibility that Najabo has, but he does every little thing so right uh, right now that it, so it, I can't see him making it past the Vikings at 12. Like, that was the floor I came mm. to with him where it's like, I, I don't see him going past. I think he's a great fit for the Giants early. I think, um, Ra- I think the Ravens at, what are the Ravens pick, 14? Uh, Ravens are 14. Like, I think that's like the the floor floor for yeah. uh, for, for yep. Karloftis. Like, he's not getting, he can't get out of the top 15. No way. I'm with you. All right, where well, it gets fun. This is this is where it gets fun. Wondering who might have Hutchinson one, who might have Hutchinson two, and vice versa with Kayvon Thibodeau. Before we get to that, got to remind you guys that uh, PFF.com Edge subscription, elite subscription. That's where you can find all of your premium PFF data. And as you were listening to this podcast, you can get our NFL draft guide as well by going over to PFF.com. If you don't have a subscription, use the promo code NFLSE for this podcast, NFL Stock Exchange, and you will get 25% off anything. So you get that draft guide. You'll also get a fantasy football draft guide. When fantasy football season rolls around, you'll get the premium stats. You'll get the premium content. You'll get all the betting tools. So much stuff. You can check out what comes with an Elite and an Edge subscription. There's different price points for both of them. But either one, you get 25% off when you use the promo code NFLSE. Head on over to PFF.com and do it. Connor's moment everybody's been waiting for. Are you going to have Hutchinson number one? You going to have Kayvon Thibodeau number one? Let's get to it. Who you got number two? I'm shocked we agree on this. And I'm glad. This is like a big, this might be a big uh, unifying point of the pod right Mm. here. I'm going to have Aiden Hutchinson at number two. And this was a windy road to get here. I will say there was a time during the season where I was watching him and I was just like, this season is so good from him that it's going to be hard to not have him as the number one player, uh, number one player in the draft. And when it's all said and done, when you collect yourself 
you bring your you reel yourself back in. You revisit the three years of tape with KT. I still lean with Thibodeau as number one. And let's just talk about the good with Hutchinson. Let's not make this a him. Or there him is a lot of, of good with Hutchinson. There's a lot of good with Aiden Hutchinson, and and I think he is going to be a real. I'm actually surprised how many times I do see people questioning his NFL potential or doubting his NFL potential. Number one, I, I think he's going to have a really good combine uh, in terms of twitch, in terms of short area, the cone, the explosiveness. Uh, I wrote down best game at this, you know, Nebraska 2021. He just was unblockable in that game. The scouting report for me, explosive with high energy and rounding out his pass, ru- pass rush plan. Has the burst and speed to win the corner as a rusher. Strong hands help him gain leverage and play the run. Slowly showing power rush ability, speed to power. Uh, moves very well laterally for his size. So I think with Hutchinson, what he started to master really in the middle to the end of the season was he was starting to use his explosiveness off the ball, getting off the ball, and rushing wide to make tackles overset. And then once he had them doing that, he knew how to counter in. And that led to massive second-half wins. And that is something that will carry over to the NFL level. So I look at Aiden Hutchinson, and I think he's a no-brainer for the Lions at two. Like, I really do. I I, I know that... There's going to be a lot of de- debate between him and KT. Um, they are a little bit different players, but with Hutchinson, there is a lot there that you know what you're getting. He's going to be really productive. He did take over a lot of games down the stretch, big games down the stretch. Yeah. You know, for all the questions about him against Georgia, go watch the tape. Those are false narratives. He he was double teamed against Georgia. He had good reps against Georgia. This guy's the real deal and should be a top three pick. Hutchinson was awesome this year, no doubt about it. And I have the same order. I have Hutchinson at two. I have Kayvon Thibodeau at number one. Hutchinson measurements show six foot six, 260 pounds, maybe 265 pounds. And so um, it'll be interesting to see exactly what he comes into the combine. But I wouldn't think that he's anything shorter than six five. And I think that his weight's probably going to be somewhere in the two sixties. You're right, man. I mean, 14 and a half sacks this past season for Michigan. Uh, one is was one of the best players of the year no doubt about it i mentioned with uh, george Karloftis him getting the hutchinson treatment what i mean by that is that you got a left you got a a a right tackle or a left tackle looking at you you've got the left or right guard peering his eyes in your peripheral just to see if you need help and then you probably got a tight end or a running back looking at you to chip and help as well because uh, man this guy's motor was unbelievable and something that i'm really encouraged about when it comes to hutchinson's pro outlook is how he has grown over the last three years. I remember watching Aiden Hutchinson three years ago, just as this long, good frame, versatile defensive lineman, didn't really have a home yet. He's playing with a lot of effort. You liked it. You were like, hey, you know, I kind of like this Hutchinson guy. He's a really nice piece for Michigan, especially when they had, at the time, it was, you know, Quiddy Pay was there. Josh Uche was there. Um, I believe he was still there when Rashawn Gary was there as well. Can't remember if Maurice Hurst was there, if they, they overlap one year. I feel like they... They might have overlapped one they year. Might maybe. have. Maybe, maybe if he was getting early, early production. So, anyways, I mean, it was a talented Michigan defensive line, and Hutchinson was kind of thrown in there. It was like, oh, you know, I kind of like this guy. He plays with a lot of heart. Comes in second season, only plays two games last year. Going into this year, I thought that Hutchinson was probably like a fringe top fifty kind of a pick, mm-hmm. probably more of a second rounder than anything else. And then he just absolutely dominated. He looked like he took over uh, with effort, with with, uh, with with drive, with determination, but then so much more. I mean, he learned to put that long frame to the test. He learned to put it to use. He went up against all sorts of 
offensive tackles that, you know, if they were more finesse offensive tackles, he was coming straight to your chest. If they yep. were more power offensive tackles, he was getting around you with some sort of move, a push pull, a, a club rip, a swim move, a, attacking on the inside, you know, something. He was able to really give all sorts of offensive line fits. And I think he's absolutely fantastic. The, the comp that I have for Hutchinson, I know people have thrown a lot, a lot of these out there, and I've already seen this one. Some people have, have, have thrown this out, but like, I think he's a souped up version of like what Sam Hubbard was. And when you look at Sam Hubbard, when he came through mock draftable, you're not going to be super impressed with the athletic testing, but the body and the frame is very similar. I think Sam Hubbard maybe had a little bit more weight on him, but really it's, it's, it's all right there for him. I think Hutchinson's a little bit more lean and with being a little bit more lean, I think he's going to come a lot more athleticism. I mean it when I say the words souped up, don't just tag me and say, Oh, Trevor thought he was Sam Hubbard, a third round pick. I said the word souped up. He's been in the body shop. He's got the new engine. Uh, he's got all of that. And I think that he runs um, a lot more like a sports car than, than Sam Hubbard even does, but it's similar body profiles. And these are guys who aren't winning with a ton of Twitch, but Sam Hubbard has even become a really well-rounded, I think, defensive lineman. And when you put even more athleticism into that kind of a player, you get what you've seen with Hutchinson over the last year. So that's my comp there. And um, we can talk about Kayvon Thibodeau more in a second, but those are my Hutchinson thoughts with, with me having him number two. Yeah, I mean, listen, you just feel really good about what you're getting in the player, considering where he's taken his game, the fact that he's really athletic, especially in the short area, he's twitched up. Uh, he's got a fire that takes over in the second half. He's played in big games. He looks like he's spent summers with the Bosa's with the handwork that he's done. The so, handwork for sure, man. Handwork Michi- is just Michigan great. guys just have the hand. Coach, I mean, like Quiddy Pay, Josh Uche, David Ojabo talked about how he, that's the main thing that he worked on Hutchinson and how great his hand usage is now three years in. I mean, they're they're teaching the right stuff when it comes to the importance of hand usage there in Michigan. Yeah, I think they are, and you could see it. And Hutchinson has talked about how, you know, when they got that Baltimore scheme, you know, implemented into it, he felt more comfortable uh, playing in that, a little bit more pin your ears back and go, less thinking. But I think there are times where he does show really good ability to contain when they ask him to, really smart sideline to sideline player. So Hutchinson, man, he's. I mean, don't know. Nobody's really overthinking him at this point. I think everybody kind of sees him and KT in their own tier, and I do. I, I think it's KT and and Hutch in their own tier, and then you have Carl Loftus and everyone after. I, I don't think they're within these guys. But let's get to number one. Uh, it's Kayvon Thibodeau, and he's kind of been the story lately in the draft world. You know, if he's not going number one or number two overall, everybody's freaking out and, right. you know, for different <laughs> right. reasons. It seems like Jacksonville knows they need help for the quarterback, but the Lions might want to take the the local uh, Michigan player in Hutchinson, keep him in Michigan. You know, with Thibodeau, man, there's a lot to unpack here. One, let's just start at the baseline. Former top overall recruit produced instantly. Stepped mm-hmm. on campus as a true freshman. Had dominant stretches as yep. a true freshman. Yep. He used as a stand-up rusher and hand-in-the-dirt player. Good get-off. I think there's some bend and ankle flexion there. Um, I know that's been a, a talk that he, you know, I think the definition of bend has gotten, it's a little all over the place, right? Like it, there'll be one screen grab of a guy looks like he has bend and everyone's like, see, he has Ben. And it's like, is there a consistency of that over week by week? So I think that's become a hard talking he, point to digest. Is, is he actually bending or is he just getting pushed from the shoulder down yes. and his, his, his hip is like, I don't know, moving like that. Cause some people, some people bring that yes. up as well. 
I know. I know. It's a dangerous world we're living in. All right. So Thibodeau, I, he looks long and explosive to me on film. Like, I, I don't really understand. You know, once again, there's been conversation maybe smaller than people thought. I, these, are question, these are questions we will get answered at the Combine. But he looks long and explosive on film to me. Uh, displayed a push-pull and long-arm moves. Uh, those are, to me, I don't want to say advanced, but that's a, that's, you're going to do that in the NFL. Like, if you're going to do a push-pull or a long-arm, like, you can do that and win that way in the NFL, and he's shown to be able to do that. He can win with the outside speed rush. I mean, this guy's got it, and he, start, he started to set up tackles with outside speed to counter later inside, something I talked about with Hutchinson earlier. So, Thibodeau, to me... I'll leave it like this, Trevor, and I talked about this a little bit on a, a show earlier this week with you. It's because he's not Chase Young or Miles Garrett, people are now disappointed when, to me, he's Brian Burns. If if he's Brian Burns, like, is that not exciting? Brian yes. Burns is an awesome, awesome pass rusher. So I think this is, Kayvon Thibodeau has become a victim of two things, his own early success and that he is not the level of number one overall pick we're accustomed to seeing with pass rushers in recent years. And I don't think that's fair to Kayvon Thibodeau because you cannot invent something in a draft class. You can't invent a Miles Garrett, and it goes to the quarterbacks. You can't invent a Trevor Lawrence or whoever it may be. It's This is just how the draft goes. You take what's there, and I will gladly take what Kayvon Thibodeau is uh, for, for my team if I'm picking in the top five. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned so many of the things that Kayvon does well. I think one of the issues that, that some people have is just the overall strength profile that he has, sometimes anchoring at the point of attack. Again, we talk about being a three-down defensive lineman. You know, yep. even, even if he's more of a stand-up outside linebacker type, if you, you want him in that role, you still got to be able to hold the point of attack. You still got to be able to deal with strength well. There were times when I was like, okay, he was getting a little he, – he's getting pushed around a little bit more than, than I, I would like. Uh, a top five, top three overall guy to get pushed around. But I think that that's something that, man, it can be fixed with better hand placement or better just like uh, consistency with leverage and things like that. It's not like I think he's weak. I, I don't. And maybe it's maybe you pack a couple of extra pounds on him. Maybe you get him in an NFL strength and conditioning program. And, you know, that, that kind of figures itself out because it's really not that glaring of a need. It's just something that I noticed a little bit. You mentioned some of the good things that he does. You know, you talked about a couple of his moves. He's got a nice swim move. He's got a nice push pull. He knows how to use the long arm. The long arm is something he goes too often, which is great because he, that's a that's a major move in the NFL when you can utilize having that that length, being able to create separation between you and an offensive tackle. I think that's really important. Something that really stood out for me with Thibodeau, and what gives me faith in him as maybe not faith validity, I guess I'll say with him as my number one overall edge player is he does not have to jump the snap to get a really good first step and get yep. even with the shoulders of the offensive tackle, just get straight around, be able to dip and bend and get to the quarterback. You know, when you look at guys like Hutchinson, there's, I, 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 I talked about all the things that, that Aiden Hutchinson does well, but if he's not jumping the snap, which sometimes is fine. I think ju jumping the snap gets kind of a bad rap because people go, Oh, look, he, he jumped the snap on that one. He can't okay. do it again. Okay. Then he can't do it again. That's, right. That's not, that's not against the rule. It's like, that's, that's actually more of a positive than a what skill. some people, you know, right. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's shows a certified that, skill. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, like, like, dude, Shaq Barrett does that all the time. 
Shaq Barrett for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bring a player. He, he jumps the snap all the time. He led the NFL in sacks. What do you have, 19 and a half sacks or something? 18 and a half sacks, whatever it was a couple of years ago. What am I going to tell the guy he didn't have a good year because he was jumping the snap on a handful of them? So, I don't know. One, I, I think that I, I, I wasn't planning on getting that rant off of my chest, but uh, snap, jumping, snap jumping gets worse of a rap than it needs to because it is more of a skill than people give it credit for. But all that to say, in the reps where, say, Hutchinson is not jumping the snap, where he does not get a good beat of when the ball is firing off to the quarterback's hands, he is slower off the ball to explode. Whereas Kayvon Thibodeau, at no point do you think that he's slow off the ball. Not once. Even if he, like, even in the, some of the reps where Kayvon Thibodeau might be, like, the last one out of his stance, maybe he really just doesn't time it well. Boom! Dude's off the line of scrimmage, and he's even with the offensive lineman, and he is still competing in a way that you could attack the outside shoulder because he has that kind of a physical, athletic gift for burst off the ball. So uh, that's that is that is what really allows him to stand out for me above these other players is that burst and bend for a pass rusher are so 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 important, especially when you talk about guys who are drafted in the top ten, the top five the top three, number one overall. You have to be able to do those things. You have to be athletically gifted in those areas. Kayvon Thibodeau is, and at that point, then you just get to go down the rest of the list and see what other boxes he checks for you. But at the very top, those are the two most important traits for me, and he checks both of those boxes. I'm with you all the way, man. I, I You know, it was part of my summer notes. I just thought the first thing when I watched him and – we do this draft cycle every year, right? Where like now we're we're deep, like you and I especially, because this is what we we do. We're not traditional like NFL media, like going to cover the Super Bowl and let me get a a quote of like why Gerald Burrow's sad. Like you and I live the draft, tell the stories of the draft from pretty much when one draft ends, we get going on the other. And Thibodeau was the guy after last year's class that you're always like. God, I can't wait to watch this dude. Like, I cannot wait to watch this dude. Then you turn on the tape over summer, and you just see insane tools. And one last thing that that we didn't get to mention with traits that I've started to value more recently in scouting is, you know, because there's all this talk, especially in analytics, that, you know, are pressures just as valuable as sacks and that whole conversation? I think your strides to the quarterback really do matter because are you going to convert a high enough amount of your pressures to quarterback hits or sacks. And Thibodeau, I love his long strides to close on quarterbacks. I think when he wins on a rush, he's got the long strides and bursts to finish the play. And I think that was something that was special about Brian Burns as well. So, man, I this this pod is obviously Team Kayvon Thibodeau. I will be the first to admit, and when you and I get home from India, the Combine, I think we'll have a better read on this a better feel on this situation right now it feels like he is not going to be a top two pick and yeah when i'm stacking a big board i don't know how i make my big board without him in the top two players in this draft yeah no i agree with you that's kind of where we stand right now and we're going to learn a lot of stuff uh, from indianapolis we're going to have a lot of interesting things to report when we get to these podcasts uh, after indy which is the first week of march by the way for everybody out there who didn't know when the scouting combine was i believe it is the first march the, March drills, 1st the, the drills, the drills yeah. start March 3rd through the 6th. 
I think is the four days that we have the drills that everybody watches on NFL Network and cares about. But uh, the interviews with head coaches and general managers, which is, again, where we learned a ton of stuff, those start on March 1st. So very, very excited about that. Let's give a shout out to some of the guys who we did not have in the top five. I guess I'll recap the top five. It's yeah. the same guys that we had. I had Jermaine Johnson at five, David Ojabo four, George Karloftis three, Aiden Hutchinson two, Kayvon Thibodeau one. You had David Ojabo at five. Jermaine Johnson at four, Karloff is three, Hutchinson two, Thibodeau one. So who are some guys outside of your top five that either just missed the cut or that you want to make sure that you give a shout out to somebody you liked in film you just didn't have in this group? Or who do you want to talk about first? Uh, it starts for me with Kingsley and Ekbare, and I don't know if he'll be my edge six, right? Like there's a lot of things I like about Arnold Ibukati, uh that could finish edge six. Obviously, there, there's a lot of names, and I don't, I don't want to – step on your toes because I know you have a lot of them as well. So I'll start with Kingsley and Ekbare, who might not be the most athletic, might not be the most explosive guy, might not be the most twitched up guy, but man, the dude just, he finds ways to make plays. And I think there is something to that in the SEC when you are strong and you know how to use your length and you know how to keep hands off of you. And that's been how Kingsley won in the SEC, and that's how he went down to Mobile and won as well. So when you look at the season he just had, uh, 45 total pressures, four sacks, 16 quarterback hits. That's a lot of quarterback hits. 16, uh, 25 hurries. And, you know, that that's a big time year for him. He he knew how to beat tackles. Uh, he knows how to win inside. I think he, he knows how to get his arms up in, in passing lanes as well. So I just, I look at Enek Barre and go, He's probably not a first-round pick. He's not athletic enough to be a first-round pick. But if you're looking for, you know, the Robin to your Batman on your pass rush front, he can be that guy on day two. He really can. He can come in and and play across from a premier rusher, get the one-on-one matchups, and if you feel like your coverage is going to hold up long enough, he's going to be able to keep hands off of him and keep working and close in the pocket. So Enigbare does not get the flash of the guys in the top five. Uh, he's not going to get the flash of those guys at the combine because he's not going to be at the top of the board for the testing. But just the tape test as a whole, he had some mammoth games, notably against Tennessee. I thought he held up against Georgia. Uh, so those really matter to me. And, and I think he's a just a rock-solid player on day two. This is the player that we're going to disagree on the most on this episode because I didn't see it with the Nick Barre. I, I just didn't see it, man. And you know what? My whole company probably disagrees with me as well because we had Kingsley really? we had Kingsley Inigbare with like one of the highest pass rush grades in the country, not just in the SEC, not just for his own team, like in the country. We had him with a very, very high pass rush grade. We well, had some and, cupcakes on there and so on I watched, the schedule. And I, I went back and I watched his tape and – you're right. I mean, the, he is he is not the athlete that I thought that I was going to see. Sure, um, he's not. So- South Carolina edge rusher. For those who 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 don't know exactly who Kingsley and is, six foot four, two hundred and sixty pounds. So he's a little bit bigger of a defensive end. And man, I think he had a pass rush grade in the nineties. It was like an elite pass rush grade this past season. And so there were a lot of people talking about him around our building all year long. And I finally popped on the film, and I just. I didn't love it, man. Now, there were times when Inigbari played well, but I thought a lot of this stuff was, honestly, like it was a lot of cleanup production. It was a lot of cleanup sacks. And 
the hand usage was not as consistent as I needed it to be. I mean, the guy's got a good frame. He's got good long arm potential, but there were times where he just, there were times when he would just run into the offensive tackle and almost like not even put his arms out. Like he just goes straight the Jeffrey to their Gunter. Yeah, and, That's and the Jeffrey I, Gunter. Yeah. And, he, and I'm just like, what do you, you got the arm, man. Just, just put the arm out. Like you have the long arms to be able to do that. And that happened way more than I thought it was going to. I'll tell you what, it was either the Auburn game or the Georgia game. I cannot remember. He was very slow out of the gate for that game, which unfortunately was something I felt like was a, a theme in the in the four or five games I watched of him. And he was just kind of like slow out of the gate. And then I, something happened where he was finishing, like the play was almost finishing. And then I think somebody like shoved him super late and he got really pissed. He got super pissed and he like got in this guy's face. And Connor, like the next quarter and a half, he played with his hair on fire. Like he, he played. Needs to be woken up. He played Clearly. out of his. He played out of his mind. So I don't know if this guy needs to just get John Henderson before every game, and the trainer just needs to smack him around a little bit to get him pissed Classic. off. Because when he was angry, honestly, during that game, I, I got to go back and I got to figure out which game it was. When he got super angry, I actually really liked what I saw from him, and I could see him a little bit closer to what you were talking about. But just too many times, I, I did not see enough impactful snaps from him. There were certainly a handful of times where he would use his length he would use his strength and he could use his overall ability to the Tennessee game is one of them man he just straight bull rushes a lot of guys just get straight into the to the chest of him uses his legs turns his legs out walks him straight back into the quarterback and go wow what a great pass rusher he's very like this guy's this guy's super strong and he was on those reps but there were too many times when I watched him throughout the rest of the game I just I just felt like he not that he was bad. He just wasn't super impactful. So I don't really yep. know what to do with that. And so that's, yeah, I, I think, I think we'll, we'll, di- we'll, we'll, we'll disagree on, uh, on Enigbare there for now. He was, um, he was one of the lower guys. He was one of the lower graded guys that I watched. I've watched 14 guys so far in the address group. And he was one of the, uh, the lower ranked guys, which I, I did not expect to be the case, but that's, uh, yeah, that's what I thought. with Kenyon. So who are you looking at here? Just missed the cut. So I have two guys that I wanted to highlight that just missed the cut. And I think that we, we for sure need to talk about one of them. And then the other one is kind of just like my dude who I've liked a lot throughout this process who I want to give a shout out to. The one that I think we both need to talk about is Trayvon Walker. The is defensive end, the, the defensive end slash, I was just going to say defensive lineman, I think is just the, t- the tag that he's going to get from Georgia. Now, this guy is... I mean, strong as an ox. You run into this guy, and it's like you're just sprinting into concrete, man. Six foot five, 275 pounds, played for a Georgia defensive line that were national champions for a reason, man. It was it was Trayvon Walker. It was Jordan Davis. It was uh, Devontae Wyatt. It was Jalen Carter. It was just so many beasts on that Georgia defensive line. And Walker was absolutely one of them. He has a strength profile that not many in this entire class can match, man. He rarely loses at the point of attack. When he hits you with his hands, you feel it. It knocks so many different offensive linemen back, whether it's pullers, whether it's offensive tackles, whether it's guards that he's going up against on the interior, they feel his presence. And even though he's only about 270, 275 pounds, it feels like he hits like a 300 pounder, man. That's what it, that's what it certainly looks like on tape. And, He is somebody who brings a really high athletic profile to his game. And I say athletic because I think strength goes into that. Now, I think that he's stiff. 
I don't think he's super flexible. I think the change of direction is something that worries me with him being a full-time pass rush defensive end kind of a player because he really didn't have a lot of pass rush reps. But that's what I wanted to bring up with Trayvon Walker. I mean, a uh, good friend of ours, Dane Brugler, he works for The Athletic. He's got Trayvon Walker at number six overall in this class. Wow. I've, got Tra- I've got Trayvon Walker as my like sixth wow. or seventh edge rusher, you know? And so I just and, – and, and Dane says, hey, man, bet on the traits. This dude's an athletic freak, and he's totally right. There's so many different uh, plays that you could point to where you just see incredible strength and some 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 crazy twitched up ability from Trayvon Walker, you just don't see that turned into a pass rush game. And he wasn't asked to do a lot of that at Georgia. And so I definitely see that. It could definitely change in the NFL. But as of right now, you know, even if you plop Trayvon Walker into the NFL, you're not going to get a guy who's overwhelmed at the pro level athletically. He's going to have the speed. I think he's going to have the twitch. and He's going to have the strength to be able to hold up. And you can put him on the field right away. But he doesn't have that pass rush plan. And I don't know if that's in the cards for him. It might be. It's just a pretty big projection because Georgia didn't ask him to do it. And he's going to be kind of doing it for the first time in the NFL. So you look at the tools and you say, hey, we're going to bet on the traits. We're going to draft this guy high. I've seen people put Trayvon Walker in the first round. I just can't get there right now. And maybe he's going to absolutely blow me away at the combine. And maybe the things that we hear at the combine is like, wow, you better get this guy in the first round. I'd be like, okay, like I get it. You're betting on the traits. That's where the NFL is going with these guys. This is a player who I wanted to bring up in conjunction with David Ojabo because it's going to be a similar profile. If we see David Ojabo go super high in the first round, I've got a feeling that also tells us we're about to get Trayvon Walker in the first round because that's how the NFL is viewing these guys. Not a ton of production, not a ton of a pass rush plan. He doesn't have a lot of moves, doesn't have counters, doesn't have a lot of experience pushing the pocket, but he's a hell of an athlete. So he's kind of just missed the cut for me because I'm not exactly sure how to project that kind of a raw pass rusher uh, into the NFL. I'm with you on Trayvon Walker. I number one, I couldn't figure out what show to put him in. Number one, so I, I think. Oh, this will... one or the interior one? You mean? Yeah, and you, I think you lean this way because you can kind of project him more as an edge rusher at the I next do. level. Yeah, yeah, it's much more projectable than interior D line. Now, the first thing I wrote into my notes with a question mark, like I'm Ron Burgundy, was <laughs> R- Rashawn Gary? Question mark? Like oh. where? Michigan used Rashawn Gary, obviously, as hand in the dirt, kicked him around at three-tech and stuff like that. And Walker kind of is going to have this similar transition, I would assume, at the NFL level. And I did not like Rashawn Gary as a top 15 pick. Now, he he has come a long, long way because it wasn't looking great there for a while. He really didn't do much his first two years, and I think he has started to figure it out, especially in 2021, where I thought he was a totally different player. So I think, are you patient enough to go through that process with Trayvon Walker? Then you could probably warrant taking him at the end of round one. If you're not, he's not going to be the player for you. So I like that you brought him up because he's one of the most intriguing players in this draft. Uh, I personally don't like taking the gamble on those players in the top 15 picks. I, I would have a tough time selling him as a top 15 pick, but He's got he's got a lot of that like bull in a china shop mentality where it's like I'm going to run 800 miles an hour into your chest and it's going to hurt really really bad and then you're like well what if I could teach him how to do this instead on the edge and it gets exciting so I, Walker's got to be brought up on this show um, he he's a projection pick like and it, you said it like a Jabo in a totally different sense of based on what they're good at but he is absolutely a pure projection pick. Uh, another guy I wanted to give a shout out to, and this is this is my dude, man. 
Drake Jackson, the edge rusher from USC. Uh, this is my guy. Uh, he is six of four, 250 pounds. I, I've been waiting on this guy to blow up because I think that he has the traits to blow up and he just, he, he hasn't yet. When you look back at his stats, I pull him up here. It had a, I had him on a tab on a different window. Okay. Five and a half his first year, his freshman season, only two pack the, the following year in 2020. They barely was, had was, a season. They yeah. barely, they barely had a season. So that was, a, so I, so I said to myself, I was like, this is it. This is the Drake Jackson season. They paid in 10 games. And he only had five sacks. So look, it, it's still not all there for him, but man, I just love his ability as a speed rusher. I love him as an outside linebacker type. He understands how to drop back into coverage as well. So we could be a true three, four outside linebacker. When we talk about traits and we've talked about traits a lot in this show, I think he's the best bender in this class. I think Drake Jackson can fire off the ball really well with a long frame, a lot of speed. He can come off the edge. He can disengage the hands and he can dip and bend right around offensive tackles consistently at his best. If we were doing that exercise, you know, we've heard before. It's like, Oh, show me a quarterback's best five throws. And I'll tell you what I need to know about him. If you Put Drake Jackson's best five pass rush reps against the rest of this class. I bet he could hang at the very top. I would agree. Like, I bet there are some people who would be like, give me that guy. Like, give yep. me Drake Jackson. And so you just, we need to see a little bit more of that. In terms of comps, shoot, man, you mentioned Brian Burns uh, for Kayvon Thibodeau. I thought about Brian Burns for Drake Jackson, but Jackson, he's just not as strong as Brian Burns yeah. was coming out. He's got that length profile. And I think when if you watch him through a brian burns lens you'll see him do a lot of brian burns things he's just not as strong as brian burns another one that i had that came to my mind is randy gregory because gregory was another guy he kind of had the similar frame but gregory was an insane athlete and his mock draft was kind of crazy because he came into the nfl as an edge rusher at 235 pounds and you know gregory's journey has obviously been all over the place and we see him with the cowboys now and he's fantastic but he's added a lot of weight so um, he's kind of transformed his body in that way i'm not sure i love either of those things but those are the two players that kind of came to my mind when I watched Drake Jackson being his best. So really good speed rusher. If you want a player who specializes in attacking the outside shoulder, who brings you those really coveted athletic traits, flexibility, bend, burst off of the snap, Drake Jackson can do that, man. So I had him kind of just out of my top five there. Yeah, he's someone that is fascinating. He he was projected to be a first-round pick coming into the season. Like you said, didn't have the breakout a lot of people hoped for. He probably takes on the award for me for player I most wanted to see literally on any other team. Like I just the, the USC huh. team was just not what what an, what an award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sorry, Trey Jackson, that's why you left early. Um, yeah, I just this team. It's it's hard to get a read on a guy like that. Where you know where was the coaching? Right. The, this is someone that you said it, Trevor. When he came into the college level, it's like oh, it's all there. Now you just got to improve the hand usage, get stronger, uh, play a little bit of a different game than just always being a speed and twitch guy. And that never really changed. You know, you turn on the Colorado game from that year. I thought that was the best version we saw of him. There's a couple reps where you can't get hands on him because the side-to-side -side quickness is so, so efficient. Awesome. Yeah. And that's exciting. Like, that is something where I look at and go, man, tackles will have a tough time with him if he can do that at the next level, but also not be as predictable. So he had to be mentioned on this show because I, he's another one that a lot of teams will not know what to do with him. They're like, okay. And 
one more note on him. He doesn't turn 21 until the month of the draft. So one of the younger players in this draft where that. there's a lot to unlock there. Like, do you want a, and I need to fact check this. I hate when I do this, but like a Jermaine Johnson, I think will be a 23 year old rookie. And I, he's great. I love him. Or are you going to try to unlock something with a 20, 21 year old Drake Jackson? Like there, these are the questions that I find so interesting with pass rushers that need to be answered. I'll give you one uh, guy that it's not a just missed. He's not in the top 50 right now, but there's something intriguing about him, at least coming out of mobile. And that would be Boye Mafe from Minnesota. Nice. Nice. You know, it's, it's funny how week one can change your perception of a player. I, I watched that Ohio state game like the rest of the world did with you know, you're just like, you're, you're just this big ball of electricity of college football takes and draft takes. You want it all in one game. And you watch Boye Mafe against Ohio State in that game, and you're like, wow, he really did nothing. And and then you, you almost, and this is a bad habit, but you kind of put him in the rear view for too long after that. And he picked it up throughout the year and went down to Mobile and showed that he's explosive, showed that he's starting to figure it out with his hands, starting to chop down offensive tackles' hands off of him and and turn his body into the pocket. So I want to see how he tests because if he blows up the combine, and I believe he's been a Feldman's, uh, you know, Bruce Feldman's freaks list before, if he goes into the combine and really blows it up, for the lack of production over the total four-year stretch for Boye Mafe, as much as this year was pretty solid, especially after that Ohio State game, I think there's a lot of intriguing traits in his game where he's not a first-round pick. Right now, for me, he's not a top-50 pick, although a good combine changes that really quick. He kind of got lost in this crowded group of edge rushers this year. Uh, you just said that he was on Feldman's freak list, so I, I Googled it while you were while you were finishing your point. Feldman says he has a 40 and a half inch vote. Oh, it's nutty. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. If there's any validity to it, uh, he's going to be like maybe the guy coming out of the combine that everyone's like, whoa. So what? He, so he came into the senior bowl, six foot three, 255 pounds. Yeah, they had him about 6'4", 260 listed on uh, on Minnesota's website. So that actually checks. Normally you take an inch off and about five pounds off when you look at uh, school websites. 40 and a half inch vert would be pretty crazy. Then he also has a, they, they, Feldman had recorded a 10 6 broad jump, a 4 5 7 40 yard dash, a 1 5 8 10 yard split, a 4 3 shuttle, can power clean 400 pounds, squat 653 pounds. Six, wait, 653. What are we, what are we just adding three pounds now? We just going like pound and a half? We, we just like chucking those bad boys hey, I on I guess there. he's lifting you... with kilos. It's the only thing I can think of. Which <laughs> oh, you're yeah. Yeah, maybe that's if, you're, if you're in college looking at kilos, you're a certified psycho in a good way. So, <laughs> so I didn't touch a kilo till I was like, till I was like 28, and I was like, ah, I don't need to do this math. No thanks. <laughs> no. So uh, I'm glad that you brought Boye Mafia up. He's a good, a good last dude to kind of highlight here because I liked him as well, man. I think that after you know Trayvon Walker and Drake Jackson, we talked about the tiers that we have there. In that next bucket, I have guys like Arnold Ebikade, I have Majai Sanders, and then I have Boye Mafe. And those those guys are all kind of right there. It's a little bit of pick your preference. You know, if you want a leaner, maybe a little bit longer guy, a guy who wins a little bit more off a of burst is more of a lighter speed rusher, you're probably going to go with uh, Arnold Ebikade. If you want a guy who's a little bit more well-rounded, guy who's got a lot of good hand usage as well, I think you'll go with Boye Mafe and then um 
the last guy, Majai Sanders, man, he's so technical. If you want a player who's more refined, if you want a guy who understands pass rushing with a plan, who has multiple moves, who knows how to set up offensive linemen, has not just pass rush moves, but also pass rush counters for a lot of different situations, you're probably going with uh, Cincinnati's Majai Sanders. So those are three dudes who are, who are in that next tier, that next little bucket. I wanted to make sure that I mentioned a couple of those guys, but Mafe is a really good example. So I'm glad that you brought him up there. I don't know. It's a, it, 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 I, I, I'm comfortable ending on that one. If you want to end on that one, we'll probably have a lot more gems yeah. for the edge rusher after the combine. But those are, I mean, we, we nailed like 10 of the guys from this group, man. We'd be here all day if we, if we wanted like do the rest of the edge class I, for everybody that, you know, like, I, and I, I love it when you guys tweeted us like, Oh, what about this player that you didn't mention on the show? Like, we're going to get there in March and April. Like, I, you know, we didn't talk about D'Angelo Malone today. We, there's plenty of players we didn't get to talk about. This is a deep, deep edge class. It's loaded with a yep. lot of different talented players. So, you know, we're going to get there, but this is a great start. This is the foundation. Uh, we gave you the top five. A lot of guys that missed the cut. The combine is going to bring up a lot of new names, but I think this is a great foundation for, for one of my favorite edge classes in terms of volume. Uh, that we've seen in a while yeah a lot of really good guys a lot of guys that are going to litter the first round the top 50 the top 100 man it's going to be dominated by a lot of these trench players and it's going to be a lot of these edge names that we brought up here and even more which we're going to learn after the first week of march when we get to the indianapolis scouting combine there we go that's the thursday ranking episode enjoy the weekend everybody even though it's the first weekend that we're not going to have football hopefully you guys can enjoy it anyways we will see you guys bright and early first thing on monday morning thanks for listening to the nfl stock exchange podcast Thank you